Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Car Street Talk. This is episode 20. Today, I'm joined by Mac Fixler and Brenda. They are the team behind Card Stats, a new Instagram account that has some really fascinating data and uh, analysis on some of the stuff going on in the community. And they also uh, run BAM playing cards. Uh, how are you guys doing today? We're doing great. How about yourself? <laughs> I'm doing great, too. Glad to hear it. Um, so just super excited to have you guys on. I know, like I was saying earlier, I've been interviewing a lot of cardists lately, so I'm trying to break out of that a little bit and get some some fresh perspectives. Um, but just starting with uh, card stats, I think as a as a as a base ground because I, I find it fascinating to be honest, and that's why I reached out to you guys. Um, why did you guys kind of start that account? So, card stats was started because uh, basically, I mean, do you want to take this? Sure. Yeah. So I. <laughs> Um, I'm working on a data analytics degree and I had a project to do for my class where I have to find some data, use the data to do some analysis and we find uh, Fontaine's really interesting and I thought this is a really great opportunity to do some fun stuff with, uh, with cards. Yeah, it's definitely really interesting and different. Like, I mean, I've never seen anybody kind of gathering this information, but uh, what, what kind of data are you guys looking for and, and how do you go about processing through it and, and getting it? So right now we're mostly pretty much only using eBay data. Um, so I pull the eBay sold listings using a Python script that I wrote and process it. And we use uh, Excel and Tableau to look at the data and make graphs and yeah. So the data set that we go from for eBay is we look at sold data currently. And so from there, we can make most of the graphs that we've gotten. So we can look at uh, when cards are selling chronologically. We can also see what price points they're selling at. And so that's how we've created the bulk of our graphs so far is through eBay data, eBay sold cards data, and not so much the available data because that's uh, constantly changing in a way that makes it really hard to keep track of it and use it meaningfully. Mm -hmm. uh, and then why, why do you guys kind of, I know you said you kind of focus on Fontaine, but um, why, why is that? <laughs> it, it's the sheer amount of volume Fontaine has. I mean, if you look at any other card brand, uh, they just simply don't sell as much uh, as, or Fontaine sell more than any other brand mm -hmm. compared to like anyone or OPC Orbit or just about any other big brand, Fontaine is moving a lot of cards. And right now what we're seeing is a ton of decks all coming from Fontaine. And everybody who's a collector of Fontaine needs to have these decks. And so there's a huge demand in the reseller market for them. And so uh, because of that, we've been seeing all this crazy amount of data pop up on eBay. And I, I don't think we would normally see that much unless Fontaine was dropping eight decks in six months. Yeah. So uh, we're, we're in a really opportune time to collect a lot of data about Fontaine and figure out what sort of things or what attributes of a deck make it successful. What timing, does timing have any uh, play in it as to when it releases? Uh, so all of these things are things we're looking at in the data. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I do see that they've uh, released a lot of decks this year. I think I saw a post on Reddit that they're at like 12 or 13 for the year. And then there's probably going to be a cranberry yet, and that'll probably come with a different color. Yep. Um, that seems about right. And then there's also rumors of a couple of collabs. So originally, uh, there was a story posted by uh, Fontaine saying like how burnt out he he is getting and whatnot. And he said that we have some of the sickest collabs coming coming yet. Uh, and he explicitly mentioned Black Friday, and he also explicitly mentioned Christmas as being uh, possible dates for collabs. Well, Black Friday already passed. That collab obviously didn't happen. Uh, but there's been some pictures roaming around on the internet of a possible collab that might be happening very soon, which was rumored to be possibly that Black Friday one. And so I have a feeling we're probably going to see two more collabs plus two more colors before the end of the year. If if I had to take a guess, maybe maybe one collab in two colors, but at least three more decks, but more than likely maybe even four decks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I guess a lot more data. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was about to say. I get I, that makes a lot more sense how they I mean, they are releasing a ton more decks than most people. I mean, I guess there's art of play, but definitely compared to most type brands. But I think they're even releasing more than Art of Play at this point because I mean Art of Play, they're they're putting out several different decks, um, but I think they maybe have put out. I think this year they're probably somewhere pacing similar. I would have to take a guess from initial initial thoughts, uh, but I'm betting going into next year, Fontaine is going to have the same pace and same mm -hmm. intensity all year round. Uh, he made it pretty clear that it's expensive running a card empire. Yeah. And he he has rent on his place. He has rent on his retail space. He has five card cardists that he keeps on retainer, which that's pretty freaking cool. Uh, he's got an accountant. He's got a lawyer. He's got other people who help him with deals. He's got retail employees. He's got collabs that he needs to pay for. He has production runs that he needs to pay for. So I guess what I'm saying is the burn rate that Fontaine is experiencing is astronomically higher than probably any other company in their position. I think Art of Play might be the one exception just because they they do fulfillment for absolutely everybody. Mm -hmm. But I, I think Fontaine will be one of the... Uh, brands i mean they always have been i think they will continue to be one of the brands that we will all need to watch in 2021 mm -hmm. and something i've seen uh, a lot of with fontaine that does happen to other brands but I don't, i'm not sure exactly as much is uh, the the presence of bots and um would you guys be able to tell like me and other people because like a lot of people hear bots and they're not really sure like what that means but like what is a bot and are they real? <laughs> yeah, um, great question. And I think up until just a few days ago, I probably would have said, ah, the bots are fake, bull crap. Um, I've spoken to a lot of people and done a lot of research and, and uh, I'm more convinced 
now than ever that the bots are real. And I don't think they're real in the same way that most people think they're real. And, and what I mean by that is uh, basically what a bot is, is it's just a script that's running and it buys whatever the programmer tells it to buy. And so most of these bots come from people who wrote them to buy sneakers. And these sneakers sell for huge amounts of money. And these people have found other products such as playing cards or streetwear and have moved on and have applied their bot skills to buy out those inventories. And so what happens is you get a network of people all working together to buy out large amounts of their inventory. And from the Fontaine side, what they see is a ton of orders from different people that all get placed probably all instantly at the exact same time, faster than humanly possible. And that's probably all they see. And that alone is really hard to wade through all that data and go, hmm, which one of these transactions are real? Which ones are fake? And so, because Shopify is not going to tell you all that information about all of that. And so uh, what you get are a bunch of people who have these scripts that are shipping out maybe three to five bricks to different addresses and then collecting them and then working together to sell off their cards. And I think most of the people who are selling cards on eBay are located exclusively in the United States. But I think a lot of the people who use bots are actually located outside of the United States. And I think as many Fontaines as there are moving on eBay, I think there are even more Fontaines moving elsewhere. And I think that's kind of where I'm interested in finding out information. That's kind of where I think our focus is gonna start moving to is trying to look at the market abroad. We've been so focused in on eBay because as an American, that's what we know. As somebody who sells playing cards, I use eBay to set my prices. And so I wasn't looking at these other foreign apps that, uh, that transactions are happening on. And I mean, there are other ways to price cards, but primarily I look at eBay and I look at Reddit a bit and that's how I set my prices. And so if you look at it and you say, eBay is, is the marketplace, I, I think it's really just a small player actually. As big as it is to us, I think the, the foreign market is even bigger than us, even bigger than the American market. And so I think that's kind of where we're gonna start looking is trying to figure out where these big quantities of cards are moving. Because if a deck has a print run of 10,000, like there's a lot of those out there in the wild. And uh, yeah, that's, that's what's interesting us is where are all these cards going? So I definitely believe the bots are real. I think it's, it's an organization. I think there's definitely a bunch of rogue players out there mm -hmm. that are, you know, doing one to five bricks or whatever by themselves. But like the bot organizations can pick up how many, yeah. like 75 bricks. You've heard of one group picked up 75 bricks for their group. 
Yeah. So I've heard of one group picking up uh, a group of five people working together to pick up 75 bricks of, of a run of 10,000 of the Fontaines. Mm-hmm. And they are located outside of the country. And so they forward it out of out of the United States with forwarding addresses. And uh, it's really kind of interesting to me. And uh, where do they go? Who buys them? Mm-hmm. Is there somebody just like locking them in a room and saying, you can buy a brick here and you can buy a brick there? I don't know. So there's so many questions that we still have to have to answer here and in all of this. But yeah. definitely bots are real. I'm I'm convinced. Mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting too that, I mean, it's positive that, I mean, it's not positive that bots are happening. At least I don't think it is. But it's positive in the sense that like you can see that um, playing card collecting, cardistry, magic, whatever you want to classify it as, has grown to the point where people want to treat it like streetwear brands or shoes and stuff like that. Like that's absolutely that's pretty cool. Absolutely, kind of. <laughs> it means people are seeing the value in what we do. Mm-hmm. Mon- yeah, monetary value in what you do is really cool. Um, do you have like any ideas of how? potentially Zach or other brands could counteract these bots or any ideas in that sense? Oh man, there's so many. I mean, the the first, what they tried for pumpkins and graves, that seems to have worked really well from our analysis of the eBay data. It looks like there's a lot, there was a lot fewer that immediately got sold on eBay. So that was good. Absolutely. So I think the early access is a, was a good first attempt to make sure that Fontaines end up in the hands of customers mm-hmm. rather than resellers. And, and when I say resellers, I mean like eBay resellers mm-hmm. that are charging like triple to mm-hmm. quadruple the amount or whatever. Um, and so I think, I think early access helped enable a lot of people to get those cards, which ultimately lowers the need for resale market because if more fans have them, less fans need them down the road. Um, So I think that was an overall good thing. However, as the brand grows, that's going to be a really hard program to keep going because you're going to acquire new fans and you're going to have fans that are going to drop off and it's going to take a lot of upkeep to keep that list current and useful and, um, we actually did some some data mining to kind of figure out how many orders they placed through the retail store and uh, through the early access program. And we estimate they did about 200 orders uh, between those two venues. So- That's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. They, they posted up on their Instagram that they were at it for about three or four straight days. Mm-hmm. And it's, you have one person, I'm imagining, or maybe, maybe more, yeah. like sending out a, hey, you got accepted. And then would you like to buy some of our cards? And then after you say yes, then they have to send another email saying, okay, here's, here's the order form you get to buy your cards now. Mm -hmm. And so all of that takes a lot of time, especially when you do it with 170 people because, or 160 people, because there was uh, probably 35, 40 people at the store. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, 
you know, how would you do that for a print run of 10,000? Because now all of a sudden you're going to have to quadruple the amount. It's a linear, a linear trend here. So you're going to have four times the amount of work if your print run is four times as big. So mm -hmm. I think this was a good first start, but I think it's probably not a sustainable solution. And also anybody who didn't get picked to be part of the fan club uh, isn't probably gonna be super excited to return yeah. to this brand and then have to pay resale prices because chances are they didn't get it in the, uh, the online drop. So I think this had absolutely the right intentions and the right coming from the right place. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it's probably going to alienate some of the customers and also make it a little less exclusive, kind of. I know you're, you're sending in pictures of your thing, but if you don't have to, if there's none of that fight for the Fontaines, is it really a Fontaine? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, hunt. yeah, exactly. So I don't know. Um, I think there are other ways too. You could sell all the cards to a distributor and have the distributor distribute them across tons of different places and set the price higher. So that way the resellers can't profit off of it anymore. And then also, you know, guaranteeing resale prices later down the road. Uh, so I think that's one way of doing it. They could also- um, Yeah, I mean, the key to stopping the bots is not having all of the cards in one place exactly You're distributing it to different places will stop the bot networks from getting all of the cards from one slot i i found that very interesting um it's not something you i normally think about as a cardist like where do the cards go when they're sold you know besides my house and uh yeah. so it is I, like i said i find it really interesting and i'm glad you guys are doing this uh, where do you guys see it going in the future? What are kind of the plans for the card stats uh, account? Uh, so I think, well, right now, Brenda's actually finishing up her school report that uh, <laughs> all revolves around Fontaine. So, so we're doing that. <laughs> so, so that's the immediate future. <laughs> um, but the intent of that paper was to come up with kind of like a what is it, regression analysis to figure out what sort of attributes can help make or break a Fontaine release in the resale value sense, if that makes any sense. So what, what things could they do? Like, does the timing affect it? Is it the fact that it's a colorway versus a collab? And so developing a model to make further predictions for further releases coming out uh, about potential resale values. And so I think that's the immediate quick one and then long term is we want to figure out where all of the cards are moving <laughs> or as many of the cards as we can hunt down i mean obviously it's going to be impossible to do everything but we can make a really concerted effort to hunt down as many different data sources to kind of really understand what's going on outside of america and at the end of the day i've been i guess we've been so focused in on eBay and mm -hmm. only eBay uh, that we haven't really looked at much else. And I think eBay is a wonderful, wonderful data source, but by no means is it everything. 
Cool. Um, something else that you guys do, uh, another big part of your lives, I think, um, is uh, BAM Playing Cards, your guys' uh, website store for playing cards. Um, so just starting off talking about that, because I'm interested about that as well for obvious reasons. How did you guys come up with the name BAM? So BAM stands for Brenda and Mac. Uh, I know, pretty clever. Uh, it's, uh, we don't publicly broadcast. I think we're going to start publicly broadcasting, you know, but uh, BAM stands for Brenda and Mac. It was actually going to be um, a really awful name. And one of our friends suggested BAM and we were, we were totally on board with it and, and rolled with it. Uh, so the original name was going to be Breck International, which was like the worst couple's name we could absolutely think of. And uh, we just wanted like some, you know, horrible name that sounds like it could be a card company, kind of like anyone worldwide, but not. So we went with Breck International. We told our friends and they're like, that's awful. Don't do that. <laughs> and they came up with BAM and it stuck. It was awesome. But before we switched, we, uh, we came up with our mascot, which is our little platypus guy. Mm -hmm. He's actually the Brecklepus. And oh. uh, there, but there's no way to know that. That's the only remnant of Breck International. Uh, but yeah, so our logo is a platypus named Brecklepus. And uh, yeah, he's going to have, he's going to come to life as uh, time goes on, uh, have our graphic artist uh, do more and more fun things with him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that, I mean, that was another question I was going to get, uh, what was kind of the inspiration for your mascot. So we already got to that. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, our, our uh, logo is not like any of the other playing card logos. It's far, far different. Doesn't <laughs> use the normal color scheme. It was very much intentional. Um, we just, everybody has the suits or cards or something in their logos. And it takes a lot to be unique and special in this marketplace. So uh, we felt having a, a weird logo that was kind of cute and friendly could be a, a nice little entry point for our customers. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, what, what made you guys want to, you know, start this store and, and selling cards? Uh, so prior to BAM, I was heavily, heavily active. I, I guess I still am very active on Reddit. And so there's a marketplace on Reddit for buying, selling, and trading playing cards. Mm -hmm. And so it's actually grown quite a bit in the last year. We're now over 6,000 members, which is pretty fantastic. And uh, I was buying and selling on there quite a bit. And I went to the Fontaine Rip and Dip V2 in-store drop and immediately when we got home, people were putting them up on eBay for like 50, 50, 60 bucks each or something crazy like that, some absurd amount of money. And so, you know, Reddit's a nice, close, tight-knit community. And so I ended up listing up a bunch of half of the ones we got from the store up for like 20 bucks just to cover the cost basically. Mm -hmm. And, uh, people noticed and I ended up 
becoming friends with a bunch of people and I ended up getting promoted to moderator after uh, doing a lot more trades and showing that I'm part of the community and not uh, just some rando person or whatever. So uh, was trading a lot on Reddit and doing that. And uh, the pandemic hit. And I was like, what better thing to do than sell stuff I love officially? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm already doing it on Reddit, so why not go real with it? And so we started up BAM at the very start of May. And so we opened up on May 2nd and we actually opened up against Black Market Decks and Justin Barrett's card shop. So uh, three card places all opened up on a single day, May 2nd, 2020. Uh, a date for the books, right? Uh, so yeah, it was a Saturday. We did like a pre-release event on Reddit to test out everything. And we got like 23 orders or something like that in our first like weekend. And we were printing all the labels out and then taping them onto the boxes. And we're like, ah, oh, this is taking forever. So we bought a label printer and that's been like a game changer <laughs> for us. I don't know how we could have gotten so far without it. Um, but yeah, label printer, very, very important. Let me tell you, if you're selling things frequently, you must get one. It's a requirement. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, I, I guess I haven't really asked this yet, but um, are are you just like, do you collect cards? Do you do cardistry, magic, a little bit of everything? Or you know, I it's it's definitely a little bit of everything. I grew up uh, in the San Fernando Valley in LA, and um, I was very fortunate to have parents that exposed me to a lot of magic, and so. I would go and see several magicians or we would go to different restaurants and go see magicians perform like every week in the Valley. And so I grew up going and seeing Johnny Ace Palmer and Lou Serrano and a few other people. And I, I absolutely loved it. And I moved away and I kind of fell out of it for a while, but I collected a little bit of cards here and there. And then about a year and a half ago, we ended up going to San Diego um, and we stopped at this little magic shop near the hotel that we were staying at and they had this wall of cards there. It was absolutely phenomenal. It's a magic shop, San Diego, 10 out of 10 would recommend absolutely go there. If you live there anywhere near it, you probably already know about it. So I don't need to say anything, but if you're ever in San Diego, go check out magic shop, San Diego. Uh, it, I walked in and I was just like taken back. I was like, wow, like I haven't seen this many cards. And so I bought like five or six decks right on the spot and started fidgeting with them. And then I got home and went on an eBay tear and it just never let up, unfortunately. Uh, it just kept going and going, but uh, I love to learn things that I'm interested in. And so I wouldn't call myself a magician or a cardist, but I definitely am learning all that sort of stuff. I can do some nice one-handed cuts, can do some, do my nice little Sybil cut. Uh, I can do a nice duck change, all sorts of 
I just learn the things that I find interesting. I don't really have any desire to like perform in front of people or anything like that. It's really just more all about learning fun stuff that I find interesting. And so I would say I'm more a collector first and then probably a cardist slash magician in that order. Uh, all of my card collection stuff is in the room. And so we have all of our inventory. It's a little bit of a mess right now, but our inventory is in the closet right over here. And so everything's in BCW boxes and each box is labeled with like what collection it is. So that way we can fulfill orders super quick. We store all of our decks and deck sleeves too. So there's no chance of them really getting damaged and we ship everything out in deck sleeves and in cardboard boxes. Yeah, so with that inventory, uh, where do you, how, how much do you decide to get and like, what do you decide to, to, to purchase, to try to sell? Like, how does that's, that all work? That, that's a great question. Um, it really depends on what we're talking about. So there's, there's a few brands that whenever they put out new stuff, it's like, I have to get it. Yeah. And the timing of it is really, really important. If you're not one of the first people to put it up, your competitors are going to put it up before you. And they're the ones who are going to get the sale, unfortunately. And so um, if it's a cherry, if it's a jerry, if it's uh, an orbit, those are all very much brick worthy. Uh, those ones, whenever they come out, I always buy a brick or more and they usually sell out on my store and I can usually get them from the wholesaler. Uh, for the stuff that isn't a new release, we're talking like Fontaine's, sorry, older Fontaine's, older out of print stuff. That's all stuff I get from individuals or from Reddit or from other places, United Cardist. Um, I picked up a Spectral Blaine set and a Mint prototype the other day from United Cardist. So you can find all sorts of crazy cool stuff if you know where to look. Um, as far as pricing all of that stuff goes, if it's something I get from the distributor uh, or the wholesaler, they have pricing terms already and you have to respect those pricing terms. If it's a out of print thing or a rare thing, that is information that I either get from like a uh, eBay slash Reddit combo math problem I do in my head. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a lot to keep track of. There's definitely like certain trends. Like obviously if a Fontaine or anyone releases, you're going to probably want to get as much as you can. Absolutely. Um, so. Uh, so yeah, I mean, some, and then older cards can all of a sudden lose their value too. So with the first V3s, I think those probably just went off a cliff if I had to take a guess. I haven't looked at the data yet, mm -hmm. but you couldn't get them. And then all of a sudden Chris Ramsey put up the remaining stock he had, which I would imagine drove the price back down too close to retail. And so it's all timing for reselling and all that fun jazz. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, who, who does, uh, who does what at man? 
<laughs> oh, great question. Um, so if you're talking to us on Instagram, you're talking to me. Um, Brenda does all of our photography. And so anytime you see pictures on our site, that's Brenda. Uh, Brenda also helps with packing orders. So we break up our orders by like deck size. So I do orders of one or two decks. I'll pack those up and we'll be our three and four or more person. Uh, it's just because the packaging we use, you know, it makes it's sense different. that way. So like you take that packaging, I take this packaging. It, <laughs> exactly. So we package different things. Um, we have a graphic designer who does all of the graphics on our page. Uh, as far as pricing and inventory stuff, that's all me. Mm -hmm. But uh, and then, yeah. what are some challenges when you when you're facing the market? Um, what is kind of hard to like so, you said, obviously with price plummeting and stuff like that. But so right now, I think the market's actually kind of in a really really rough spot. I think a lot of people right now, um, I think we, trying to choose my words carefully here. <laughs> I think a lot of people are really affected by COVID. And on top of people being affected by COVID, I think USPCC was also, well, most definitely was affected by COVID. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like this perfect storm of everything that could go wrong is going wrong. And so what we're having now is we have people who, who are underemployed or can't, unemployed or underemployed mixed with uh, not being able to buy cards for a really long time mixed with now there is all of the cards to buy mm -hmm. all of the time. And I, I think people have less money and the money they do have is going towards these new releases. And so I think the resale market, we're seeing prices go on more extreme sides of the lower side because people need money right now to pay their bills. And I think it's really, I think, once there's more economic improvement, I think prices will start to really, really, really rebound and probably do better than they were doing pre-pandemic. But I think right now the card community is really hurting. I think as a whole, there's just a lot of people who can't afford to collect the cards that the card makers are putting out there. And I think a lot of the card makers too are catching on to the fact that the resale market is so strong. And so companies like Art of Play are putting out decks for $200 or $45. Mm -hmm. And they're, and it's not like they're like a hundred of this deck. It's no, there's a lot of these decks and you're still going to pay a boatload of money for them. And so I think everybody's trying to make as much money as possible and uh it's a really unfortunate time for that mm -hmm. and like you see a lot of like variant releases more so than usual i think where it's like yeah. just one or two things different and then it just skyrockets the price i think we've gotten like 20 jerry's or something this year yeah yeah we've gotten what we got the six because we got a, a release of three plus the three gildeds 
and then we got like a set of another three. Yeah, was it it's, yellow, it's yellow, black, <laughs> steel, green, orange, aqua, and then we got gildeds of those last three variants, and then we got the different feels of the other ones. It's 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 too much. It's too much. Yeah. And now Cherry's doing it too with their with their house decks too, with their $75 house decks. So today they announced their second one in the series, uh, the Reno Red house deck, which is the same deck as the $12 deck, but in a much nicer tuck case, which is the $55 price difference. Is that right? 60 $63 price difference. I can't math. A lot. <laughs> many, many, <laughs> many price differences. Yeah, it's been, it's definitely crazy. And I feel like it kind of takes away from what made Jerry Nuggets special. Um, so I and think if it would have no... just been red and blue, it would have been, and maybe one or two variants, it would have been, or like one a year. Yeah. This is the 2020 color. But like, just like in 2020, it's like one a month. <laughs> Exactly. And, and I mean, I have no problem paying $200 for a deck of cards, but I don't want to pay $200 for a new deck of cards. I want like a, a deck of cards that's been out of print for six, seven years. That's really hard to track down. But paying $200 for a brand new produced this year deck of cards mm-hmm. it just feels wrong to me. Feels wrong. I don't know. Maybe... Maybe we're just on different, uh, the, the card makers and I on different uh, levels here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of weird too that people under uh, make lower quantities of something just to raise the price. Um, and that's something I dislike, but um, kind of connecting the two uh, main topics we've been talking about before we finish up. Um, do you guys collect any data from BAM playing cards and kind of filter that into card stats at all? So right now we aren't doing any of that. And I think down the road, that's absolutely where we want to go. Uh, I think as we incorporate more and more data sources, uh, you'll see BAM data start leaking into that. Uh, I just, you know, I don't want to give away all our secrets. Yeah. So uh, eventually when when each individual data start, source be, stops becoming so meaningful, that's when bam, data sources will start factoring in, I feel like. So we're, we're getting there. Yeah. We're getting there. It's going to take a while. We still have a lot more learning to do, but eventually one day, I think what the goal is to like figure out a way to gauge the health of the the reselling market. And so in order to do that, I think it's probably gonna be important for us to know what a few shops are doing Mm -hmm. because it's not fair to completely judge everything off of one metric. Um, All right, so I'll start the timer now. I will spin the wheel. Favorite deck of cards at the moment. Favorite deck of cards? This one right here, Memento Mori by Art of Play. Uh, favorite unoriginal move. Favorite unoriginal move. I don't know. Top shot is that an unoriginal move? 
that's fine. Yeah, just something you didn't make. These are also a lot of these are guild turds cardists. So <laughs> I'll do my best. But um, I'll, I'll try to skip over those ones. Uh, Android or iPhone? iPhone. What would the title of your autobiography be? Getting by. Getting by. Have you ever broken a bone? My wrist. Is pineapples on pizza okay? Mandatory. Not okay, mandatory. Mandatory? Yeah, every pizza has pineapple. All of them, all the time. <laughs> no red sauce, just pineapples. <laughs> Um, Coke or Pepsi? Bread, cheese, pineapple. <laughs> pineapple, pineapple, pineapple. <laughs> um, Coke or Pepsi? Diet Coke. Favorite type Coke. of food? Uh, favorite type of food? Fries. <laughs> that was very anticlimactic for some reason. Um, <laughs> Favorite movie? Favorite movie? Jingle all the way. Uh, favorite band or musician? Spotify tells me it's uh, Phoenix. Mm. Uh, your favorite TV show right now? The Wire. The <laughs> Wire. Um, cats or dogs? Cats. If you could have coffee with any Disney character, who would it be? Jack Sparrow. Pancakes or waffles? Waffles. You're good at this. You're faster than most people. Summer or winter? <laughs> winter. All right. I'm running Can out I beat of questions. Um, favorite restaurant? Uh, oh, you broke me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was a hard one. <laughs> Empty bowl. Okay, I don't know what that is. There's I the mean, time. You can explain what it is. It's a time place. It's <laughs> really time. good. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you guys for uh, taking your time to do this interview and for uh, doing the rapid round of questions. I'll tally up however many questions we answered in the edit. Uh, I think the high score right now is 16. I think there's like a three-way tie or something for 16. Dang. We'll see. We'll see in the edit how close you guys get. <laughs> I have a feeling um, I blew it at the end. I was doing so well and then... There was a lot of ones just, where you were like instant, and then every once in a while, there was one that yeah. could have <laughs> cost you. <laughs> um, so at the end of the show, I like to do what I call roll out the close-up pad. Is there anything you would like to promote or any last nugget you would like to leave anybody that's still listening or watching? Uh, thanks for watching. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Check out bamcards.com. Mm. Yeah. So check I'll out Reddit. Yeah. yeah. I'll have links to all their stuff in the description, guys. If you uh, don't know who they are and would like to check them out, I highly recommend that you do. I, I really find it fascinating, Car Street Stats, and then they also run a very good store. Um, so definitely check that out. Thank you, everybody that stayed and listened to the end. And uh, I hope everybody has a good day, and, and we'll see you guys later.
Bye. 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 <laughs>